They hate. They hate. They hate. They hate. They hate because they fear. They hate because they fear. Because they fear. Because they fear. And they fear because they feel that the deepest feelings of their lives are being assaulted and outraged. They do not know why. They are powerless pawns. Powerless pawns. They are powerless pawns in a blind play of social forces. Richard Wright. Mauhaus Productions, A Blind Play of Social Forces, Episode 9, Best Laid Schemes. Late schemes. But, Mousie, thou art no thy lane. Improving foresight may be vain. The best laid schemes o' mice and men gang after ugly and leave us naught but grief and pain for promised joy. From To a Mouse by Robert Burns, 1785. The event began with an invitation. Peace can be achieved. You can be the change you wish to see. You are cordially invited to the first annual Predator-Prey Summit to be held at the private meeting room of the Central Park Boathouse at 4.30 p.m. Saturday, July 14th, 2023. No RSVP required. Punctuality is appreciated. Peace, thought Lion. Change. Who had sent this? And how did he know what Lion had been thinking? Were there others like him, others who longed for change, who yearned for a new world order? He was intrigued. Before Gazelle entered the meeting room, she knew who was inside. She knew that overpowering stench of urine and undigested meat. She had come for a reason, though, and she would not be deterred. She held her breath and forced her rear legs to move her over the threshold. Lion was not alone. Beside him, yellowish-white and enormous, was Polar Bear, grinning and moving a small, beribboned box about in her paw. The floor to her left seemed to shift, and she looked down to see Crocodile climbing up to a seated position at the end of the table where a bouquet of red roses rested. Was this an ambush? Was Gazelle to be disemboweled by this brute squad? She twitched, stepped back, and jerked her head to turn. As she did so, 
she spotted a small ringed seal sidling up to a pelican. She blinked. Wait! roared Lion. His roar engaged Gazelle's bladder, which emptied onto the floor. However, Lion had not come to eat Gazelle, far from that. In fact, he was more interested in what Gazelle might himself be eating. Lion had consumed more gazelles, or was it gazelle, in his lifetime, than he had claws to count. Each tasted vaguely the same, with few outliers. Age made a difference, of course, as did athleticism. What he was most curious about was gazelle's diet. Lion thought that if he could pinpoint just what in Gazelle's daily intake provided that tangy, savoury, almost peppery bite, he could bypass the middleman and go directly to the source. Surely this was some wild root, flower or leaf, a renewable resource to be certain and much easier to prey upon than a mammal. Not that Lion hunted, His females took care of that. But how nice it would be, he thought, to make a contribution. He had recently taken to walking about alone, two hours a day, and during that time had begun to question why it was that he was considered a predator. To him, predator suggested a fierce, violent, energetic beast who would track, attack, and overcome his prey with ferocious greed. He spent most of his day sleeping and watching the cubs play. He would occasionally get up to relieve himself or eat, but his life was one of quiet leisure, a leisure that had enticed questions to burrow into his mind and there abide. He had begun to suffer from indigestion, sleeplessness and general irritation. His life seemed to lack purpose. Here he was, this great beast, this king, if you will. Yet he made no contribution, save fathering how many offspring. He could no longer distract himself with hours of meaningless sex, his barbed penis stimulating ovulation, rolling wildly in the carcass of a wildebeest or gazelle, He blinked to remove this image from his sight. He had come for a reason, a purpose, and he needed to stay focused and clear-headed. That is when he smelt the sweet aroma of gazelle, fused with seawater, fat, feathers, a banquet for the nose. Seal sensed Gazelle's distress. Do not fear, you Dorcas Thompsoni. All is well, he said, approaching with his new friend. This is Pelicanus Conspicolatus. Just Pelican, added Pelican. And I am Pusa Hispid. You may call me Seal. I see you have been acquainted with, uh, who's in there? Panthera Leo, Crocodilus Porosus, my old pal, Lursus Maritimus. Are you responsible for this? asked Gazelle. 
Me? I was invited, same as you. Although I think I know who is behind this. If my intuition is correct, we have nothing to be afraid of. Shall we? The three prey made their way into the small banquet room for the first annual Predator Prey Summit. Not an hour earlier, Seal had happened upon Pelican in the restroom. It was in this seemingly private room that Seal revealed his ulterior motives to a shocked Pelican. They want us to think they want peace. They want us to take our guard down. But they are predators. The nature of a predator is to destroy his prey. I don't know what their game is, why they would go to so much trouble, why they don't just continue with their barbaric practices of sneaking up on us while we sleep and eating our young as appetizers. They have some plot here, some trap, and they think us ignorant enough to fall into it. Well, not I, sir. Not I. Pelican thought Seal looked like a cute little toy. And even as he lectured on class warfare and revolution, Pelican had the urge to tickle Seal with her beak. Are you even listening? She began to wonder if Seal might taste like the marshmallows she had once eaten. The tide is about to turn, said Seal as he revealed a small box he had been hiding in a fat roll. Polar bears are scared of music. It scares them into thinking a larger animal is coming, he said, pushing a small button on the box. A driving rhythm emitted from the box along with the voice of a female homo sapiens. This will distract him long enough for you to use this. And he pulled from his fur a small wand with a blade on the end of it. It's a switchblade. Clench it in your beak, apply pressure to release the blade and use it as they use their incisors. A knife? asked Pelican. This is your plan. A knife. What more? You'll see. I have this all planned out. They don't think we think, but we think. Did you know the Intuit names for warriors all come from variations on the word bear? Bear. Some warrior. <laughs> no more, Nanook. Seal had worked himself into a dangerously overconfident state, and he was not finished. They fancy themselves the Uber-tier. All we need is the will, and we can have the power. Do you think the strongest among the Homo sapiens rules their world? Nor shall it be for ours. Arm yourself, Pelicanus Conspicolatus. Pelican was not convinced, but had become quite afraid of the furry white zealot. So he hid the knife in his gulla pouch and followed Seal to the conference room of the Central Park Boathouse, where the revolution would ostensibly begin. As they neared the room, they saw a shaking and urinating gazelle attempting to back away to safety. Do not fear, you Dorcas Thompsoni. All is well, announced Seal. But was all well? In typical predator style, crocodile, polar bear and lion had all arrived the previous evening. None knew the others were invited. Still, upon seeing one another, they each surmised they were there for the same event, and so began a summit of their own. 
each to determine why the others chose to come. After a long discussion on binomial nomenclature and the oligarchy that was the animal kingdom, Crocodile came to a conclusion. We are becoming extinct, he said, luxuriating in the soft grass of Central Park. I'm looking for alternatives. Yes, options, added Polar Bear. The population is dwindling. Foresight tells us that we should diversify. And, well, if it doesn't work out, we can always... Eat them, interrupted Crocodile. Eat them, yeah, echoed Polar Bear, examining her fur. But... began Lion. Say it. Oh, spit it out. We're all friends here, (laughs) chuckled Crocodile. Lion did not want to raise suspicions. These were deadly bedmates he had chosen to lie down with. Man may call him king of the beasts, but he had grown to believe that he was just some cog in the universal wheel, and that made him feel small. I will eat first, of course, said Lion. Of course. Of course. Both agreed but he had already gotten up and swaggered away. He knew they had no real desire for peaceful relations. They thought they were coming to some meet and greet with an international buffet. It would be up to him. His empty stomach burned for food. He went in search of palatable berries. Gazelle had wondered what kind of grasses and leaves would be available. She had been curious about her American relatives and considered herself lucky to travel abroad. Food was a secondary concern for Gazelle, though. Her objective was to be a pioneer in a theory she had contemplated called the new normal. She was eager for a paradigm shift. All her life... She had been pursued by tigers and lions. She too had fallen victim to what she called the prey mentality. She had a sense, though, that this dynamic could change. One day, she heard herself say aloud to her herd. One day, the wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together and a little child shall lead them. She couldn't remember where she had heard this, but it stuck with her. When she repeated it, the response was what she expected. The day that man leads us anywhere but certain death, I will meet with a lion. This from a gazelle whose entire family had been too slow for a hunting lioness. The herd dispersed, and gazelle did not share her thoughts any more. Then one day, an invitation arrived. Is this it? Asked Seal, who had hoped more prey would have shown. This is all who received an invitation. His bravery was draining as he counted the ratio of predators to prey in the room. He spotted a shiny fork on the table and made his way closer to it. We could wait, suggested Crocodile. I hear alligator may arrive. We can start, said Pelican, who looked to Lion. 
They all looked to Lion. Peace can be achieved. At least someone believes so. I would ask if our host is among us, but based upon your looks, I do not think that is necessary. Our numbers are dwindling. He turned to Polar Bear, who had moved in behind Seal with her small gift box. All of us. We can scarcely afford to continue like this. I propose, as I believe my predatory brethren would, a moratorium on traditional predator-prey relations. You mean you'll stop eating us? Asked Seal, who had meant for the question to come out with some fire, but instead sounded frightened, and he realized he must look terrified. He put his flipper on the table next to the fork. Exactly. In exchange, you will assist us with procuring alternative fuel sources. He glared at Crocodile, now crushing the stems of the roses in his reptilian claw. Oh, but if we show you what we eat, won't you just eat all our food? His courage returning, he grabbed the fork. We could just... But Polar Bear was interrupted by Lion. I'm sure you'll agree there are far fewer of us than there are of you. Lion has a point, added Gazelle, her bravery rising. Continue, please. I have been feeling lately that we need a, well, a new normal, said Lion, handing a cup of tea to his new friend. Seal's eyes widened. That tea was not meant for Gazelle. Yes, a new normal, cheered Gazelle, who seemed to have found in Lion a soulmate. A paradigm shift. Yes, bellowed Gazelle, whose excited haunches unintentionally lifted her into the air. Her quick movements frightened Seal, who knocked the pocket radio to the floor, turning it on. Time is tyrannical. Super blaring music alarmed Polar Bear, who tossed the gift box of Polar Cod into the air. As the cod rained down on Seal, he ordered Pelican. Attack! At the same time, he threw the fork spear-like in the direction of no animal in particular. It hit the wall and clattered to the floor. Pelican tried to escape, but was caught handily in the crushing jaws of Crocodile. Seal retreated into the twelve-inch-long, flesh-tearing paws of his arch-nemesis. Polar Bear deftly removed his head as Crocodile pinkened Pelican's white feathers with her own life-giving blood. At this point, both predators were too distracted to observe the awkward tension between Lion and Gazelle. Gazelle began. Do you know the African proverb? Every morning in Africa, a gazelle wakes up and it knows that it must run faster than the fastest lion or it will be killed. Every morning, a lion wakes up and knows that it must run faster than the slowest gazelle or it will starve to death. It doesn't matter whether you are the lion or the gazelle. When the sun comes up, you better start running. I think I might have heard that. I thought we could change that. As did I. But we can't. Not today. 
so I should start running? She asked, hoping Lion would say no. Yes, said Lion. But before Gazelle could turn to run, Lion was on her, tearing open her throat like ripping through wet paper. The roar that followed was so impulsive and concussive it startled even him. The three predators devoured their own meals. In the midst of the carnage, Lion noticed a tear stream down Crocodile's face. Are you... A flake of bone, he said, teeth dripping with Pelican's innards. Did you think I was... (laughs) Lion looked down and picked at the fur between his claws. Watching from a closed-circuit television, the field mouse cringed. Well, that was fast. No, don't be disappointed, said Man. This was bound to happen. Predators are predators and prey are prey. So bloody. Eh, I've seen worse. The story could have ended that way. However, this is the way it really ended. must run faster than the slowest gazelle or it will stab to death. It doesn't matter whether you are the lion or the gazelle. When the sun comes up, you better start running. I think I might have heard that. I thought we could change that. As did I. But we can't. You better start running. As two of his predatory brethren devoured their meals... Lion nodded in the direction of the door. Gazelle flitted her tail and leapt over the carnage. Crocodile looked up from his feast and Lion caught his eye. As he stepped between Crocodile and the rapidly fleeing Gazelle, Lion noticed a tear stream down Crocodile's face. Are you? A flake of bone, he said, teeth dripping with pelican's innards. Did you think I was... (laughs) (coughs) Uh, Feathers. I always joke on the feathers. Crocodile's eyes faded behind his nictitating membranes. Lion looked down and licked blood spatter from his paw. Fish. He surmised. Salt water. He licked the floor. They're predators too. He imagined graceful gazelle, belly full of buttery grasses and spicy leaves. He ran his tongue over an incisor and thought of home. Watching from a closed circuit television, the field mouse cringed. Pay up. Huh. I can't believe it, said man. I thought predators were predators and prey were prey. It's in your nature to think that. I just let him go like that. Still, did you see that seal? <laughs> it backed right into oblivion. <laughs> white on white and then red all over. Now, there's a joke in there somewhere. You enjoy this too much. Hmm. It's not on TV. Hey, how'd you know the lion would... Uh... I knew a lion once. 
They're not as predictable as you'd think. Oh, not like me, you mean? You said it, not I. Best Laid Schemes was written and directed by Michael Mao. It stars Sandy Keene as the narrator, Reagan Prum as Lion, Brian Wiggins as Seal, Tony Poe as Gazelle, Misty Metters as Pelican, Ryan Geyser as Crocodile, Kimberly Cochran as Polar Bear, Ivy Dam as Mouse, and Michael Mao as Man. Sharmarki Purcell reads the epigraph. Trevor Tremaine composed our theme music. Cover art by Geneva Hicks. With that, we wrap up our first season of A Blind Play of Social Forces. I've already begun pre-production on season two, and I can tell you it's gonna be killer. Nine more stories from deep in the recesses of my brain, uh, most of which you can read today. Actually, just click on writing in the menu at ablindplaypodcast.com. You're gonna find stories like Best Launderette, about two refugees who find comfort in dancing. There's Left and Leaving, about a man whose girlfriend disappears, and then so does everything else from his apartment. The Man from the Egg, in which a lonely man with a dark past befriends a tiny little man who he finds in a chicken egg. And This is Our North Dakota, one of my very first published short stories. The story of a doomed romance between two musicians, inspired by the album of the same name by the Atlanta band No River City. You're going to read about loss, longing, forgiveness, flight. I I can't wait to share the audio with you. I can't wait to cast this season. Until then, please rate and review the show. Let us know how much you enjoy it. Share it with friends. And thank you for listening. <laughs>